0: Welcome to Voices for Elder Care Advocacy with your hosts, Phyllis Amon and Rubina Chaudhry. Seniors deserve to have a life with respect, dignity, and fulfillment. But as we transition into elderhood, this doesn't always happen. Join us today as we discuss some of the most important issues that seniors face and provide much needed answers to your questions. Now, here are Phyllis and Rubina.
1: Welcome to Voices for Elder Care Advocacy. This is Phyllis Amon, your host, here again with my co host, Rubina Chaudhry in Fullerton, California. How are you doing today, Rubina? I'm very well, Phyllis. How are you? I'm doing great. The weather here is beautiful. Um. So that's a nice thing that we're we're getting into this warmer weather here on the east coast. So, but it's been pretty warm out there where
2: you are. Correct? Yes, it has been. Actually, the last few days it's been a bit cooler, and today it's very pleasant. There's a breeze outside, and I just finished my lunch out on the patio. So it's uh, really beautiful. Oh well, that's really
1: great. And um, you know, I wanted to um, tell the listeners um, about the. Um, how I met our guests for today's show, which is we talk about connections and networking and all of this kind of thing. We and our one of our guests from a, um last week or the week before, um, Jack York. Um, as you remember, I met him mm-hmm. from a webinar that I watched. Right. And so um, the guests we have today, I met through the um, through a gentleman mm-hmm. that I. Interviewed on a television show, and he actually, I believe, he was on our show as well, David McAllister, talking about veterans' um, benefits.
2: Right. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: but what happened is, uh, through the GoFundMe campaign that I started, I was reaching out to people to let them know about the GoFundMe campaign, Senior Connections Matter, connecting seniors through technology, how you know, we're trying to raise money to, yes. to buy iPads and mobile devices so people can stay connected. And um, David McAllister uh, responded to me and told me he was connected with this company, Family Care Space. And when he told me about it, I was just thrilled. Anything about connection, that's what we're all about now, right? So I right. reached out to the owner of the company and um, here we are today.
2: You know it it really, really is amazing. the people that we're meeting and the word that we're able to spread in service of our seniors. And uh, Phyllis, I really appreciate your proactiveness in this uh, in this whole effort. Oh, well, thanks. So I'm going to, going to tell the listeners a little bit about our guests,
1: and then we can go from there. I'm sure they're anxious to hear about this very innovative technology. Um Let's go. so, Jonathan Jonathan McCoy's career spans about 30 years of helping organizations align process, tools, and people with their mission. And in late 2006, he embarked on a mission driven by a deep spiritual desire to help those who suffer from memory impairment and all whom they're connected with, including staff in long-term care facilities. So in 2007, he led teams that developed and built a state-of-the-art memory care community that used Family Care to Space, which is a real-time sensor-based technology company focused on increasing transparency in senior care environments. And his his passion is bringing this first-of-its-kind proven innovation to the senior care setting as founder and president of Family Care Space. And our second our guest that's appearing with um, Jonathan is Amy Gaskin, who has been in senior living for nearly nearly a decade, starting her career assisting families making care decisions about their aging loved ones when she worked at a place for mom. And in 2018, she came on board with Family Care Space because it provided senior living communities and families what they had been asking for safety, communication, transparency, and our key word for the day, connection. <laughs> yes, connection, definitely. So, welcome, Jonathan and Amy. We're so thrilled to have you here to, to you know, share the information that you have about your company with our listeners.
3: So welcome. We're us. thrilled to be here.
1: So you know, the first thing I, I'd like our listeners to know about is about Family Care Space. You know how it really got started, and and what are the components of the program. And I guess I'll you know throw out the the question you know in the air, and whoever wants to jump in and answer it, that would be great.
4: Great. I'll I'll take this one, Phyllis. Thank you, and thank you, Rabina, for all you guys are doing to spread the word about. Um, things that will help uh, our seniors and the way that we care for each other, really. It's all a process of time when we are uh, going to be receiving care from someone else. Um, so it's important for us, for Amy, myself, for the culture here at Family Care Space, that we think of connection, think of family, think of the fact that uh, um, we truly are needed to help each other. And so uh, to answer the question regarding Family Care Space and and how it got started. Well, when I was building that community, the memory care community, I was looking for technology uh, that would respond to the um, basically the input we got from families. And uh, number one, they wanted to know their loved one was safe and they wanted to know it 24 seven. They wanted to have that rest, you know, rest assured that, and that peace of mind that comes from my no mom is, is at the community that she's safe or she's in the dining room, she's safe. So we we received that, and that was so important. And number two, they wanted to know that uh, she was following her care plan, that the community could give them updates. And the third element, which is family members amongst themselves, they wanted to know that uh, things were happening and they could get updates from the community so everyone could be on the same page. Very, very important. So that's one of the elements, one of the very key foundations of family care space, something mm-hmm. where the family engagement and connectivity to the community. And then the second pillar is the operations, the the ability for care staff to be able to deliver the care and to do it in a much more efficient manner. They could deal with customized alerts or, or ways in which it was very easy for them to configure the way they need to support a particular resident and their idiosyncrasies. Obviously. Not one-size-fits-for-all, especially when it comes to senior living. And we (laughs) wanted that to be done in a manner where it was just natural for the care staff. It would uh, free them up to deliver more care. They wouldn't have to spend time looking, for Mm. example, for other staff members or for key assets. Everything would be at their fingertips in a mobile device. Oh, great. And then the third element is the administration of the system for management so that they could determine how their care staff is working the actual care minutes being delivered, uh, the uh, results of care staff adjustments and changes. Um, and the foundation for these three pillars are a real-time location system. And it's not just any real-time location system. We spent probably about a year and a half to two years evaluating the various ways that these real-time systems could be done. And we came up with a clinical grade system which gives us 100% certainty that somebody is in the room or not, mm. we knew where people are, which was fundamental and in, in, in for mm. So all of this was really at the heart of responding to the best way to provide care for the residents to connect families with them. And for those that manage and operate these communities.
1: Um, I mean, that's terrific. Uh, it's very in- comprehensive. I would say it, it, how would um and either one of you can answer this question, you know, Amy or Jonathan, you know, very specifically, because that I think gives a very broad overview, and I, I, it's great. If I was a um, let's say a, a, a caregiver in a facility, um, you know, how uh, would this system help me if I was? caring for a particular resident, for example, when you say like real time, how that helps caregivers in a community. And it could be an assisted living also. Either either one of you can can answer that question because I think that's so crucial and important. Um, you know, is, those are issues that, that these communities grapple with.
3: Right. It's at the heart of what we are. Um, and Family Care Space is created by senior living professionals, um, because we want to provide every member of the community and facility um, the appropriate reports, room-level specific location of staff, residents, guests, and assets. Um, For the care staff, we have automated care minute tracking and a staff assist button. This combined um, with the real-time location that allows them to easily locate needed assets, their manager, and most importantly, residents or patients. Um, and the customized resident or patient-centered alerting um, combined with the staff button, um, care staff can determine if they are the closest to handle an alert or if it's more appropriate for another staff member to handle it, which promotes um, care staff working together as a cohesive team and lets mm. the good staff shine. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That, say, uh, yeah. Go ahead. No, go. I
1: was going to say, you know, that's a, a, a key... Um, Issue that I have, and, and something that I train facilities on, is team building because very often there isn't a sense of, of you know, this team that's really working to care for these residents. It's like individual workers. So that's something about your system that really, really appealed to me. Um, right. You know, one thing Phyllis
4: said was really, really powerful and showed itself when we implemented it was uh, care staff have a tag, right? They have a badge. And on it, as, as Amy said, has a, a staff assist button. And we've had examples where care staff very busy doing their chores and somebody comes in that shouldn't be there and they touch the button and immediately their fellow team members on their mobile device are indicating that that care staff needs help. It knows exactly where the care staff member is, where they need to go. And typically the closest one will come in, and avert uh, uh, an unwanted situation from occurring. So preemptive alerts are very, very important right at the beginning. And boy, does that ever bring about adoption from the care staff and that cohesive, you know, we're in this together culture. So um, we're very pleased mm-hmm. with
2: that. Well, that's uh, that's very good. And uh, uh, you've answered the question on how the staff are connected. That they have a button on their badge that's a staff
4: assist button right. that they, they can do. use. They, there's actually three yeah. buttons Rabina that could be programmed differently, but in our uh-huh. work with staff and you know, we started the system development work in 2007, it was de- deployed when the building opened in 2013. So we've mm-hmm. had extensive periods of time with interacting with staff what works what doesn't and what was clear was they just wanted all three buttons to be a help, I need help. <laughs> so we, we have three, but they could be programmed for different things.
2: And how uh, how are the residents uh, tracked? What kind of uh, sensor are they carrying with them so that you know what their mobility is and where they are?
4: Mm-hmm. Amy, do you want to touch that one? or?
3: Um, sure um residents have um um staff uh resident badges and so they interact with the system so that we know which room level they are is room level specific so mm-hmm. if they press a button we know exactly where they are however with our resident um centered alerts if a resident is not supposed to be in a particular area an, an alert will go out when that resident is in that area if a resident is not supposed to be near another resident, maybe they've had an altercation in the past, an alert will go out. So it's not just the resident causing the alert or pressing a button mm-hmm. to say, hey, I need help. Um, the system itself knows when that resident needs help.
1: Mm. so uh, let me ask you, to, uh, oh, you
3: you go ahead Rubina I'm sorry Yeah, no I want
2: to ask a further question because I'm trying to understand because it isn't always easiest to get the residents to be wearing their badges and what kind of badge or system or device or something that I can see easily see the staff wearing the badge and no problem mm-hmm. so how, how do you question, assure Rubina. I'm
4: sorry um, no go ahead go this ahead. is a, a a really good question because, and again, it comes back to the fact we've been doing this for so long. The staff pendants—they can be um, a wearable around the wrist if that works, but it doesn't work for everyone. This is truly an example where one size does not fit all. So we've had residents where we've clipped it onto a belt, or it's been in a key on a keychain, on a walker. You can have multiple, um, and these are very small. They're about an inch. Um, wide and about a half an inch in depth, mm-hmm. and, um, and and rather square, about an inch square, and uh, it's very easy to to apply them um, as a pendant as well around the neck. So there's a variety of different ways that we've dealt with that are really specific to that resident and their idiosyncrasies. We've yet to have, and I, I, I knock on wood, we've yet to have a situation where we weren't able to figure out. In, concert with the family and the care staff, what's the best application so that we know where the resident is, because that's so important. Uh,
1: so many facilities, um, well, not so many anymore, but uh, many still do, and I, we only have like three minutes to go to the break. Like um, are having people you know, wear wander they call them wander guards, you know, they put them on a person's ankle if especially for people who have memory impairment, um, to track right. them. So they, they get them, you know, to wear those. If this is much smaller and less obtrusive, I again you know, I'm so glad Rubina asked that question. I would assume that it, it would be a little easier.
4: It very much is, and it's nice, too, that it's not a big fanfare. If somebody, a resident, goes to an area where they're not supposed to or near that area, it's very quiet. The system would just indicate to the care staff uh, who the resident is, exactly where they're located, and um, it notifies um, if uh, how much time it's taken um, in that area. So you want to make sure you're getting there redirecting the resident, but there's no bells and whistles, there's no mm. walkie talkies or stagers. <laughs> there's a you know, the, the cost of delivery <laughs> we're talking about is significantly less than most of those other devices.
1: Yeah, because those the those wander guard alarms are quite obtrusive and yeah. as we know people are in a in a community, whether it's a nursing home or an assisted living community, this is their home. And as we all know, we don't have those loud you know, notifications going on in our homes. And sometimes it's very jarring to other residents when they hear these loud noises, Uh, they're startled by it. So this is wonderful that it's, that it's so quiet. Um, Rubina, did you want to. A
4: number of people have moved in that this is such a different environment to be in that they much preferred it. And like you said, you want it to be home, like want it to be calming, want it to be inviting, right?
2: Yes, you know, this is is really very important. And uh, uh, listeners know and Phyllis knows that over the last uh, six, almost seven years, I've been going through firsthand with my parents, uh, going from independent living to assisted living to nursing home to where my dad passed away earlier. But one of the biggest challenges were, you know, and continue to be, for the facility to have their resident carry their badge or carry their emergency pass, and then leave it inside when they go outside. So I'm, I'm very much familiar with that. Uh, and thank you, thank you for clarifying. Now, when the people leave the facility on a visitors pass or something, are they leaving this badge behind, or the, or are they? carrying it and you just uh, deactivate
1: it. Well, before we get into that I think we have to go to a break. Can you hold that thought Rubina and Jonathan yes, and Amy can you remember that question when we come back so we could continue with that and then I wanted to ask about how this can really help in this pandemic and with infection um, issues that facilities have. I think that would be something interesting to explore. So we'll be back in a few moments on Voices for Elder Care Advocacy. I'm Phyllis here with Rubina and our wonderful guest John Jonathan and Amy, so stay tuned. We'll be right back.
3: It's your world. Motivate, change, succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com.
5: In the best of times, nursing home residents suffer from isolation and loneliness. Because of COVID 19, senior residents are missing out on connecting with family and friends. You can change this. Video chats help them stay connected with loved ones. You can help to change a nursing home resident's life. Please help us purchase mobile devices so they can stay connected because senior connections matter. Click the banner on the show page or visit GoFundMe.com now and search for Senior Connections Matter. Connecting seniors through technology to make your donation. Phyllis Amon, the voice for elder care advocacy, provides strategic
0: solutions to families seeking care for their loved ones in short-term rehab, long-term care, or memory care. Her unique knowledge comes from working in over 40 skilled nursing facilities. Phyllis's passion for quality care and quality of life for our loved ones sets her apart. She encourages families to plan by choice, not by crisis. Visit phylliseldercare.info for a consultation. Phyllis is also a speaker for both the public and private sector on various issues related to caregiving, communication, empathy, and aging. Rabina Chaudhry is president and founder of Mars Services, an engineering management consulting firm as well as founder and president of all of community services of 501c3, which provides culturally appropriate supportive services to seniors, their families, and the community. Rubina's passion for the elder population stems from her experience as an only child living over 1,000 miles away from her aging parents, who are now 91 years of age. She understands the delicate issues and decisions caregivers face. Visit olivecs.org to get further information about Olive's programs and services. You are tuned in to Voices for Elder Care Advocacy with Phyllis Amon and Rubina Chaudhry. If you'd like to leave us a question or comment about our program, please feel free to email your hosts from the Voices for Elder Care Advocacy show page on Voice America. Now back to Voices for Elder Care Advocacy. Well,
2: welcome back to. Voices for Elder Care Advocacy. This is Rubina Chaudhary with my co-host Phyllis Amen, and our guests Jonathan McCoy and Amy Gaskin from Family Care Space. As we left for the break, we were talking about. Or I had asked the question: How do you? How does your technology address uh, the people when they leave the facility? Does it go? Do you turn it off? Do you take the gadget back?
4: Uh, Jonathan? Yeah, uh, that's a great question, Rabina. And um, the reality is that uh, sometimes the residents will leave and, and not realize it's on their person. And uh, when they leave the facility, it stops. It tells you exactly when they've left, so you know the exact time that they've left. Um, mm-hmm. And the pendant, if it's with them, um, you know, then hopefully they come back with the pendant, and it'll tell you the exact time they they come back into the building um, and where they then move. But uh, in terms of a protocol, uh, what we like to do is have the concierge and the, and the care staff make sure that the, uh, if they're going out to rehab, what have you, that the pendant is left at the front desk and then reapplied uh, when they come back uh, into the community. That's typically how that works.
2: Does it reactivate itself, or is there any reactivation that's necessary?
4: Nothing's, nothing's needed. They just okay. apply it back to the individual. It's already been okay. programmed to be um, that device is related picked to up. that resident, so they don't right. have to do that again.
2: So it's picked up as it comes back into your, uh, your system. Okay, like now very, you...
4: Very, very easy to
2: use. Very easy. Okay, I have now a question about your reach. You mentioned the facility, so it seems like you started with one facility. How many facilities are using this technology now? What's the, what's the reach of it?
4: We, we just recently, um, within six months, started to market it to other facilities. So um, and there's a couple of good reasons behind that. We wanted to make sure that it was proven and tested, look at various use case scenarios, And then when I was ready, um, with that, um, we had uh, sold the community that I started it with, wanted Mm -hmm. to make sure that that new buyer who could have used anything um, decided to utilize Family Care Space. um, Of course, they did not know anything like it. They're used to the traditional nurse call bell system, and they kept it on. And uh, so we made sure that that period of time, which took us to the fall of last year, was done effectively effectively. And that's when we uh, started to get ready. Amy came on board earlier in 2018. We started to lay the groundwork for going out to market um, with the addition of our uh, national sales director, Nathan Gruber, um, who's 20-plus years in the industry came up from the ranks at high school. He was a nurse's aide and he ended up coming to us from uh, one of the largest assisted living companies in the U.S. Um, and so the short answer mm-hmm. is, we've just started. We have um, a great opportunity. University of Cincinnati is partnering with us for research mm-hmm. with our technology. We have a community that would like to be part of that research project. We have another community. I'll be doing a an in-depth demonstration next. Or sorry, this week, and they're looking to build communities that have this as part of them. Mm. Um, So it's exciting what's happening, but we're doing a Mm -hmm. lot of education, and this show is a great opportunity for us to share the the message about this new way to look at uh, how we can care for each other, and thank you both for that.
1: I, no I have a, uh, Rubino, I, I, I'd like to jump in with a, a quick question because uh, what is the, uh, we had this discussion the other day on the phone, what are the uh, reimbursement opportunities that are available for communities if they decide mm-hmm. to take this system on board?
4: There's a number of re- reimbursement opportunities we found out. It's a remote patient monitoring that classifies as that and our care portal is set up so it, uh will enable telehealth in communities. So there are CPT codes that are available. We'll walk through specific with a community on how they can get into the family care space technology at very little cost or or no cost because there's a a way to get reimbursed through the CPT codes of remote patient monitoring. So Mm -hmm. it's really exciting. And the CARES Act recently approved um, the United uh, uh, Methodist Homes for utilizing of this technology type of technology they haven't selected which one but uh, these are these are uh, uh, great ways that communities can use grant dollars to um, really mm. uh, implement and we work with and we promote any which way we can to make this uh, as cost effective for them as possible we've yet to come across a situation where we can't work through that so
1: mm. well that's so, encouraging so Jonathan getting back to the, nuts, the and, nuts and nuts and line. wait What was that, Amy?
3: Uh, There's also Tax Code 179, um, where communities or facilities can write off um, capital equipment in 2020 um, and their taxes in 2021. So, I mean, there's there's many ways to go about it. Hmm. Where are you based?
4: (coughs) Excuse me. Um, I'm in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. We have Amy's in Orlando. We have uh, Nathan based out of Cincinnati. We have ambassadors in New York and Connecticut, uh, in Chicago, and uh, various other locations uh, throughout the country. And these are ambassadors, our term, um, Rabina, for somebody who will be visiting so, communities. And they're not salespeople. They're typically like Amy, like Nathan. They're from the industry. They've either been executive director, or care staff. We really look mm-hmm. for empathetic, understanding individuals that can. Basically, understand uh, what a community needs are and how to uh, Uh walk them through the process to be Mm. successful with family care space. So, so
1: another question that I had is because you you also have family care space for home, right? So, what about Uh, people who have? Yeah. So, what about? Uh, people who have their loved one either at home with them or they're living in the community someplace else and they're concerned about their safety and well-being. How does it work for them?
3: Well, Family Home Care Space is a unique technology platform that allows families home care, home health, and hospice agencies, as well as other senior living and medical professionals to monitor changes in daily living habits of seniors or the disabled living at home, or even independently in a senior living community. The program is customized, customizable and monitors changes to daily living patterns. Using contact and motion sensors, family home care space typically monitors how often the refrigerator is opened, how often the senior gets in and out of bed, how often they use the bathroom, and how often an exit door is opened. Mm. And of course, if they're taking their medication on time. Mm. So how would that play out, let's say, for uh, getting in
1: and out of bed um, or uh, going to the bathroom. I mean, people might say, you know, why do I need to know how often my my loved one, you know, is getting in and out of bed or going to the bathroom? Can you give an example of how that would, you know, be useful?
3: Well, if um, sure. it usually monitors the number of times that changes, and so if a se- if a senior starts sundowning and is getting up at night, or if they're a fall risk and they're getting up more and more at night, then we know we need to have care there at night. They know we can't be mm. leaving them alone. If a senior um, uses the toilet a certain amount of times a day, and then all of a sudden it doubles and it's only four hours into the day, we know that that could be the start of a UTI. And so mm-hmm. everything is preemptive alerting so that we can um, see that the change is happening. Or if they're not eating, we don't want them to get dehydrated. We want to make sure we put a call into them or visit into them um, to know that you know something needs to happen.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay, I have a couple of uh, couple more nuts and bolts questions. Uh, uh, this truly seems to be the cutting edge of uh, of senior care. So thank you very much for joining us as well. And this preemptive alerting uh, you mentioned, Amy, who's monitoring it? where where uh, where is this system going? Is this a central place that you're monitoring, or is it somebody at the facility who's monitoring monitoring it? Monitoring
3: it? The family can monitor it or and or the home care, home health or hospice agency or even a senior living or medical professional. So um, the family um, and or the agency determines who's going to monitor the changes. And they're only not notified during the changes. They're not notified every time they go to the bathroom, for instance.
2: Oh, I was going to say. Oh, okay, okay. Is, this, is this a digital output then or are they be watching? I, I'm just really trying to see how is it working in the real
4: space. Rabina, the best way to, to give you an understanding is in a community where, uh-huh. you, have, you know, assisted living community, the care staff are getting alerts. So they're mm-hmm. being prompted when, for example, something is outside of the norm for that resident. And those alerts are based on rules that we establish. They're very dynamic. They will change, right? Everybody's health changes and acuity level and issues do. So they can be customized. They are customized based on specific, unique Requirements In the home, we have the sensors that follow patterns, and when someone steps out of the patterns, an alert is triggered, meaning, for example, as Amy said, let's say the bathroom example where it's used much more frequent, what happens is a trigger can go to a family member via a text message, an email, could, as well as a yeah. care staff. Mm. Um, so when it comes to the monitoring, we see the family and, and a care home care agency being involved primarily not ourselves. Mm. Oh, so yeah, I
1: have, a, oh, go ahead, Rubina, because I yes. wanted to get back. Let to, me complete
2: this. Uh, yes, this
1: train I want to thought. get back. After you do that, I wanted to get back to something about, um, you know, our present situation with the pandemic in nursing homes. So you go ahead.
2: Definitely. Okay. I will ask a very quick question. So we have the opportunity to address the current situation. What's the cost of it?
4: The cost for the home care is if a family wants to buy it for their loved one, the sensors are $649.95, and that is, they're self-installed, so they can, they're can wireless. There's a hub. It hooks up over their Wi-Fi, and uh, now you've got the data flowing. We you know when things are opened and closed, movement around the bed, the toilet, etc. So that's a one-time fee for that. Then there's a monitoring fee and the family portal fee, which is really... What uh, what the, the care agency gets involved with, and that's one hundred and eighty dollars a month. Now this is money that falls in line with the reimbursements we found through um, uh, the home remote patient monitoring. So there's compensation uh, mm. that's available for this.
2: No, that's great. It's one hundred and eighty dollars per month. Is it per facility or per person or for how many people?
4: this is per family per per family so if you have a resident uh-huh. excuse me uh and we're talking home care if you have a resident that's you know obviously in their own home then sure. the family would be paying $180 a month okay got it <laughs> excuse me um while the uh while the system is there and providing mm-hmm. the alerting and the support and also um the family engagement piece the portal where pictures photos updates from care staff are all delivered through that secured space mm.
3: okay got it okay right. forles That's go the ahead. cost for home care space family care space is done differently right okay, what's the cost for family
2: family care uh, support
4: Amy? So putting it in a community um obviously you have a larger space so sensors have to go in so it's very specific to the sens- to the building so we need a blueprint of the building we need uh-huh. to take a look at all the rooms, et cetera, and then we lay out the number of sensors. So we go through that exercise, and it typically turns out to be uh, in a range from. And I'm going to give it to you by patient day, but you can sure. you can work the math sure. any which way. But it's about a dollar twenty to a dollar ninety a patient day, which is okay. more than offset by the uh, reimbursement rate Personal. for remote patient right. monitoring. So
1: since you asked about the facilities, uh, that kind of segues into what I wanted to ask. And we only have four minutes left, so we have to do it quickly uh, because I want to give both of you an opportunity to tell people how they can find out about family care space, contact you or, you know, or any other of your information. But in this present pandemic situation, um, I would imagine that this would be very helpful for contact tracing and um, in terms of isolating infections. So can you address that in the few minutes we have left?
4: Um, I'll do that. And then Amy can tell you how to get in touch with us um, and, and um, you know, how we can start the relationship to help communities and families um, who want to make sure their loved ones are safe. So very quickly, um, there are three typical main things involved with our current pandemic, contact tracing. So what we do is when you come into a building, uh, temperature can be taken by the concierge, you would get a badge. If you're a person that may have been infected, a person of concern or of issue, our system would know that and that whatever room you go into, we would have customized alerts around you so that if, a, if staff or residents are within that uh, CDC guideline, I think it's six feet and no longer than 15 minutes um, so that you don't have to be quarantined, so you would have alerts. If you're around somebody and you're getting close to that time, you'd have to leave. So staff would know, residents would know, et cetera. And, mm-hmm. um, and also, we have the trail of whoever that person talked with, so we would know if there was a quarantine issue who was affected, you know, who would have to go away for 14 days. Um, there's other technology out there that we compete against that does not give you that granularity, that precision. Mm-hmm. You could get uh, up to 20 feet around somebody, and that could encompass 50 feet, and that could mm-hmm. encompass right. a lot of staff members right. that now need to be quarantined, etc. So So there's, there's that. And there's more, oh, involved, obviously, with uh, contact tracing, but very right. quickly, I wanted to make that right. point. We- Second one, right. it's very important. We only
1: important have two minutes control. left. We only have two minutes left. Right. So my main question yeah, about is yeah. about the Infectious residents and
4: yeah. Make sure right. things are cleaned when they should, and alerts will go off and customize, like I described. Housekeeping go, do their areas. If they're not back in a certain period, an alert goes off, etc. So that's important to make sure the building is disinfected correctly. And the third is what we talked about, our family portal, to deal with remote engagement. For residents that are in quarantine communities, those are three big things that stand out. And now um, I'll turn it over to Amy.
3: Right, Amy. <laughs> so I just wanted to say that families um, with their loved ones and seeing living communities or skilled nursing facilities need to bring it up to the community or facility they're in, letting them know, know they desire the transparency and connection that only family. Family Care Space Secure Family Portal provides. And if families are still searching for the right community or facility for their loved one, they need to ask for family care space when touring communities or facilities. And mm. when interviewing for home care, home health, and hospice agencies, ask for family home care space. And they can go on our website at familycarespace.com for more information and to get a hold of us.
1: Well, that was you you guys did that in a <laughs> in a <laughs> nutshell. That was terrific. That was fast talking. and And I happen to know that there are um task forces out there that are now looking at this whole contract contact tracing issue in nursing homes because, as we know, the virus was really a, a breeding ground for n- nursing homes amongst our most most frail and vulnerable um elders. So listen, Jonathan and, and Amy, I we, from Rubina and I, we can't thank you enough. I mean, I think this was so valuable for our listeners. And um, I know we will continue this association, Jonathan and Amy and I. We've had that conversation, so I'm looking forward to that. And we're going to go to break. And Rubina and and I will be back in a few minutes to continue the conversation about uh, technology and connection and families and our elders, on uh, Voices for Elder Care Advocacy. So we'll be back soon.
5: In the best of times, nursing home residents suffer from isolation and loneliness. Because of COVID nineteen, senior residents are missing out on connecting with family and friends. You can change this. Video chats help them stay connected with loved ones. You can help to change a nursing home resident's life. Please help us purchase mobile devices so they can stay connected because senior connections matter. Click the banner on the show page or visit GoFundMe.com now and search for Senior Connections Matter. Connecting seniors through technology to make your donation. Phyllis Amen, the voice for elder care advocacy, provides strategic solutions to families
0: seeking care for their loved ones in short-term rehab, long-term care or memory care. Her unique knowledge comes from working in over 40 skilled nursing facilities. Phyllis's passion for quality care and quality of life for our loved ones sets her apart. She encourages families to plan by choice, not by crisis. Visit phylliseldercare.info for a consultation. Phyllis is also a speaker for both the public and private sector on various issues related to caregiving, communication, empathy, and aging. Rabina Chaudhry is president and founder of Mars Services, an engineering management consulting firm as well as founder and president of all of community services of 501c3, which provides culturally appropriate supportive services to seniors, their families, and the community. Ravina's passion for the elder population stems from her experience as an only child living over 1,000 miles away from her aging parents, who are now 91 years of age. She understands the delicate issues and decisions caregivers face. Visit olivecs.org to get further information about Olive's programs and services. You are tuned in to Voices for Elder Care Advocacy, with Phyllis Amen and Rubina Chaudhry. If you'd like to leave us a question or comment about our program, please feel free to email your hosts from the Voices for Elder Care Advocacy Show page on Voice America. Now, back to Voices for Elder Care Advocacy.
2: Welcome back to Voices for Elder Care Advocacy. That was an. an very encouraging and very enlightening conversation, Phyllis, wasn't that? Yeah, absolutely. I, uh, As I mentioned uh, at
1: the intro, that um, I uh, was connected uh, to them through a colleague of mine. And when I heard about it and connected with Jonathan, being coming from the skilled nursing facility space, I recognized immediately how valuable this could be for care delivery systems, for efficiency, um, I, m- my belief is, although sometimes it's, it's, uh, you know, it''s you know it's hard to get other people to see it sometimes. They, they're involved especially now with this pandemic with so many other issues. But actually the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services has just come out with their guidelines about the penalties that nursing home operators are going to face. Um, if they are not adhering to proper effect infection control standards, which has been an issue in nursing homes, which is one of the reasons they say that the virus is spread the way it has. It's not the only reason, but it is one mm-hmm. of the reasons. And, um, so this is going to be very, very important. Uh, coming from that space, as I say, I, I certainly can identify, and I know if there are any listeners that have had their loved ones in a skilled nursing facility, it's more often than not that you're looking for somebody uh, to help with something and you can't find them. Or I've been in many situations where somebody is calling for help and I'm not, because of my position, I'm not able to help them. Um, and I'm looking all over for another CNA or a nurse or whomever to come, you know, lend a, another pair of hands to help this person. So I see this as having tremendous value, um, giving um, not only caregivers, healthcare workers, and operators, I would assume, peace of mind, but families' peace of mind, knowing that there are many times people just ring those traditional bells or, you know, anything like that, and they're waiting a very long time. This actually shows in real time how long it takes for a person to get there and whether those person's needs were, were taken care of. And this is crucial In nursing homes, and I I was saying to Jonathan when we were speaking on Saturday Uh that um, two things I was uh, saying, but one in particular um, is is especially in cases of emergency. So I don't know if you're aware of this, Rubina, but um, if if there's an emergency, somebody has to, especially if it's something very serious, somebody has to run to a phone and call Code Blue. So that that means that people have to come from all over. There's a real medical emergency in that facility. Some other facilities might use code red, but the ones that I've been in, most of them have used code blue. And uh, in this case, you wouldn't have to do that. I mean, it's it's almost like more real-time immediate attention. You just push a button, and then the person next to the phone, and you don't have to leave that resident, and the person next to the phone can make that phone call. And um, it's the same thing with fire. You know, you have to go look. Everybody in a facility, you know, is trained on where the fire extinguishers are. You don't have to do that. You push a button and, you know, somebody is right there to 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 alert, you know, whoever they need to take alert. Yes. So I think the system has tremendous um, value, not only in terms of resident care, in efficiency, I think, if I was a nursing home administrator or an assisted living administrator, which now I will be um, certified for that, right? This would give me tremendous peace of mind. Right. And I think for families alike uh, to know that their loved one's needs will be cared for in a much more timely fashion.
2: Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things that uh, that you and I are seeing is that this current situation of the COVID nineteen pandemic and its impact on on all of society in general, but for seniors in particular, that we really have to evolve to a new paradigm of how we how we work, how we run our facilities, how we trace, and I think technology is playing wonderful role. And I'm. I know you've been talking to, um, uh, to our guests for the last week or so, but I'm really very happy to, to learn that there is technology that has been tried for the last several years, and hopefully uh, this opportunity will be for them to expand and, and implement and, uh, and be of, uh, uh, be of service. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I, I really w- see many, I mean, I, 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 you see its benefits on the service side, I see its benefits on the on the financial and the administration oh, no. side
1: immediately. no, know. so so do I. actually, yeah. that's how I um when I talked to Jonathan, I mean, I saw that immediately. I said, right. uh, but now he told me there are situations, you know, why certain providers haven't wanted to do it. I won't go into that. Sure. But for me, if I was presenting it to a provider, i I mean, I could see the cost benefit. Tremendous! Mm-hmm. Uh, the tremendous, and and not only immediate financial benefit in terms of like real dollars and sure. cents, but you could determine, you know, how many staff you need. If the staff you have is really working and doing what they're supposed to, mm-hmm. um, do you need more staff? Do you need less staff? But also, um, the how you can explain to the, you know, your potential clients, customers, sure. what you offer them. I mean, just that alone, I could think from a marketing point of view, it is huge. It, it's Every which way, it's huge. There was one question um, I didn't get a chance to ask him, mm-hmm. which was, what is the range? Um, if oh, if okay. I have a, a loved one in a facility, how mm-hmm. far away am I going to... How close do I have to be to get these alerts? Now, we all know you could be where you are and in California and uh, I'm in, in Connecticut. I
2: think, text, so. I think part of that answer was when he said that they use the Wi Fi and send an email or an alert. So I would think the distance will will be less material, but you can uh, communicate with them. And I'm sure we would have more opportunities to talk about uh, technology and in the future, we can share it with our, uh, with our listeners. So let's, uh, let's change the topic from uh, this particular wonderful technology to what are some of the other things that are happening in the environment. And one of them is uh, the, the project that we both have for providing tablets. Uh, To senior facilities. I know you've set up uh, a GoFundMe page. I know I have a couple of staff talking to our local senior facilities to see you know who would be open to receiving these tablets i've had conversations with one facility they're saying no we're not really uh, ready or don't need this uh, uh-huh. uh, so what's happening in that uh, that space well, that's, for you for a minute or so
1: that's that's interesting uh they don't think they need that that's um i'm curious about that why they wouldn't we'll think they would need... yeah we'll yeah yeah offline. no i'm just yes. no i'm just i'm just saying yep. i've Curious, and that's unfortunate. Whatever the, I can't even imagine. Um, so I, I have to say that it, I'm thrilled that uh, Voice America um, issued a press release about the GoFundMe initiative, and it was um, it was released on I uh, one of the um, one of the um, press release wires uh, last Friday. So it will be, uh, you know, a little while before we see uh, the engagement for that. And I had sent it out to a few people. I have a list of about 50 more people that I have to send it out to and encouraging those people to share it. So I think that um, it will take a little time. Now, of course, the environment is kind of changed in the country and the focus is in in other areas, which are very important areas, but I don't really want, I don't want this to get lost because Mm -hmm. so often these issues about nursing homes or, or racism, whatever, you know, they're part of the news cycle and then they get lost. And I'm determined not to let that happen.
2: Uh Good, good. And, and I, the way I know you, I know you. You will not, and we will stand hand in hand with you uh, from Olive' perspective. We have received fundings for uh, for uh, uh, for some tablets, so we have a head start there as well. Uh, but I want to share one other thing as well. On June sixth, Olive turned four. Ah, oh, congratulations! <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. And we had the opportunity to, to go back and visit and, and look at some of the accomplishments that Olive has had over the last uh, four years. And it's really mind-boggling how a group of people who you know like minded people who put their hearts and their their heads and their their time together how much we can accomplish and uh, and as you would say oh the places we will Wait. go no actually you said I, that right oh I, oh I said oh, I can yeah, share I just all the places it. we will go but i want to share something that was very special um on Saturday morning, I was at home, uh, you know, actually in a class that I take regularly. And one of our board members said, I have some face masks that I'd like to drop off. I said, OK, you know, Olive has been making cloth face masks. And so uh, she said, I'm here. So I go as I am, sitting with my headphones and all that. And I go outside and there is all of Olive board members and staff just outside my garage. Oh, how nice. It was beautiful for a birthday party with balloons and uh, cakes and cookies and uh, so we had some you know long distance hugs and uh, high fives and and a little uh, a little birthday party outside uh, outside my house outside my garage and uh, that's been produced into a a small video and look out for the olive bites for this oh okay And, and you will see it there uh, so, so it's wonderful that uh, that we had the opportunity to, among all things that are going on, uh, to have a, a little celebration.
1: Oh, that's terrific! That really is terrific. Uh, getting back to, um, you know, this conversation about um, this technology, um, you know, I, I'm thinking about you uh, with your mother in um, in Canada. Uh, wouldn't it have been, um, you know, terrific if they had something like this, um, you know, that maybe could have alerted you in in California, or, you know, right. or, or a care before she fell, as she stepped, you know, however she fell. I was just thinking because you're talking about Olive and right. I started
2: thinking about you and your mother, wouldn't uh-huh. have that been uh, terrific? That would have been, uh, but they wouldn't replace the phone call that I received. And I, you know, just since you did bring up my mother, I did have the opportunity last Thursday again to have a conversation with her. Okay. And it's, it's, it's really, it really touches my heart each time that I'm able to talk to her through FaceTime. And I'm really grateful to that facility to, you know, they have, I think, one aid. They have 30 minutes allowed from You know, um, from patient to patient, Mm. to resident to resident, and uh, of those thirty minutes, I get to talk to her about ten to fifteen minutes, or Mm. she gets tired. Right. But it 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 really truly is is special. Well, you know, there is uh, there is research that
1: really. uh, you know, affirms the fact that as people don't have connections, uh, there's more depression, there's right. more cognitive decline. Um, I was um, I was talking with, um, where was I? Oh, yes, just last week I was in a facility overseeing a program, and the uh, one of the therapists was telling me how she's seen a dramatic decline mm-hmm. in people's mood. Um, mm-hmm. They've had a couple of their um, uh, recreational aides who were uh-huh. ill, and so now they're not doing a FaceTime conference, you know, calls as often as they were. And she's seeing a tremendous decline in how,
2: you know, people's moods. But let's, I guess that brings us to the end. That brings us to the end. And let's, uh, let's continue our efforts, Phyllis, because this is really encouraging that we are able to uh, get some information out to our listeners, out to the community. And uh, we don't know how far and wide this information is going. Uh, but it, I, I'm grateful that you and I are able to provide this service. With that, we'll sign off for today for Voices for Elder Care Advocacy. And we look forward to talking with you next week, Monday at 2 p.m. Pacific and 5 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment Channel. Uh, take care, everyone.
0: Thank you for listening this week to Voices for Elder Care Advocacy. Please join your hosts, Phyllis Amon and Rubina Chaudhry, again next Monday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have a great week.